You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. So there's a surprise. We, we opened up Pilgrimage between now and the last podcast. Hi, happy Tuesday, by the way. Welcome yeah. back to the podcast. We opened up Pilgrimage. And something's happened that's never happened before. <laughs> because you guys have to know that we, we've always set this trip up to take like, you know, 12 to 16 people or so. This year we capped it at 14. Okay. It has to do with a lot of logistics. We capped it at 14. In years past, I think the most we've ever taken is seven. As of this podcast, this Tuesday, we have 12 people coming. That means there are only two slots left. If you want to come, you need to sign up immediately. I'm shaking my head. Because There's some pent-up demand. Yes. We are going to Germany and Belgium. Unreal. You guys are going with us. We are very excited about pilgrimage. You can go to everydaydriver.com. Go to the Adventures tab. There's a lot of stuff going on in the Adventures tab, by the way. <laughs> yeah. We're going to Philly in May. We'd love to see you there. We're going to... Germany and Belgium, the ring and spa at the end of June, early July. Join us for pilgrimage. And then we have the TBD just stake in the ground. In the fall, we'll be doing our Utah meetup, our Utah pilgrimage, where we drive around some of the best of Utah. That's coming as well. But if you want to go to pilgrimage, that's how you find it. The Adventures tab on our website. You can sign up now. Sign up quick. Yeah. I didn't think I'd be sitting here saying that, but sign up quick. I wasn't expecting it either, but we're thrilled to go with you guys. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be amazing. It's back on. We now have an auto parts partnership with CarParts.com. CarParts.com is the smarter way to shop for auto parts. Their fast, mobile-friendly experience makes it easy to shop for the parts you need when you need them. Just enter the year, make, and model of your vehicle, start shopping, and start saving. It really is that simple. CarParts.com stocks their own inventory, cutting out the middleman and passing the savings on to you, and they're offering even more savings for our audience. Whether you've been in a collision, working on your project car, or need to catch up on maintenance, visit carparts.com slash everydaydriver for 10% off of $100 or more on select brands. Get the right parts right now at carparts.com. I've had a Topic Tuesday bubbling in my mind for a while. This is one of those tonight on a very special episode of... This is this is this is Paul Rance is where this is. This is this is something that's been on your brain. I can tell. It it really has. And that's because of buying metrics. And it has okay. to do with the things people base their car buying decisions on. Okay. And I know Todd, you get approached a lot by people, especially now, family friends, mm-hmm. people you run into. Yeah. Hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? I can't believe the wait time for insert vehicle name here yes. is this long, yes, three, for six, sure. uh-huh. eight, nine, twelve months. What do I do? What do I get? But also from a styling standpoint, I feel like at this point, all future cars, specifically electric vehicles, look the same. Mm. And this comes from styling design guy. Mm -hmm. And I can see the differences and I'm not excited. How can we shift as buyers, car companies and new car companies, startups to produce interesting hmm. things. Driver's cars. Doesn't matter if it holds five or seven people. Interesting, fun kinds of cars. Well, you mentioned that. That reminds me. You know, we just dropped our GR86. By surprise, we got a GR86. <laughs> and thank you for all of you that have watched it. It's been awesome. Yes, We've yes, had some great comments. But I did see one comment in the last, I don't know, 24 hours or so. I saw a guy that made a comment. And he asked this question. And it plays exactly what you're saying. He said, I'm surprised you guys got this car with all the EVs coming. You didn't get an EV. And my response to him was, tell me what... Rear-wheel drive, lightweight, fun EV exists so far. And I'll tell you where it is. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, if if that car existed, then it would have been in consideration. But it doesn't because everybody's making essentially an electric SUV or CUV. That's what everybody's got on the build sheet. Well, the headline to my thought is that it's now easier than ever before for some boutique manufacturer or a startup to declare they're reinventing the future of transportation, <laughs> obtain funding, create their own car, and specifically and because of electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easier than building up your own resto mod kind of boutique little car company. It's clear you need some sort of baseline of mechanical ability, but compared to we're going to make a car from the 60s, it is a lot easier now. I mean, you can get your software people doing, you know, we're going to build this thing that's going to build the part for us. Mm-hmm. There's no guy back there on an English wheel that needs to know how to do that to make you a fender. That's not necessary. One Tell the robot to do it. Exactly. Well, here is my 10-step recipe for success in case oh, wow. anybody listening was considering 
doing their own electric vehicle startup to reinvent the future of transportation. So sell that NFT that you bought that made all that money. That's a great idea. Get I a bunch of Bitcoin. No, get here. a bunch of Bitcoin. What from? Get the NFT oh, sold to you in Bitcoin, and then immediately cash that out before it tanks again, and then follow Paul's steps to have a startup. It's going to be great. Step one: form a board of directors. Now, helpful. these people are mainly comprised of your very smart non-car enthusiast pals who just want to get paid a bunch of money for doing nothing. And they have huge resumes. Not huge. cars, yeah, but sure. huge resumes. Yeah, They're very smart people. Next, step two, locate a charismatic, manipulative, and very narcissistic CEO. <laughs> You've been paying attention. That's interesting. The leader, the visionary. Uh Somebody who's just returned from an enlightening drug-fueled trip to the Amazon rainforest where they rolled around in river mud until Gaia appeared to them in a vision. I I didn't think it would go that far, but there we are. Okay. (laughs) Step three, lease a building with a cool address on Innovation Drive that exists... Mm-hmm. In Silicon Valley, between Cisco and Intel. And then you talk about autonomous cars constantly because nobody wants to drive through there because there's so much dang traffic. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe you should get invited to a panel or a roundtable or something to express your vision and people want to <laughs> come work for you. But first, for that to happen, step four, you have to buy a bunch of used hip furniture from some other dot-com that flamed out or got bought out. Or yes. Some dot-com is selling their entire catalog of cool furniture and foosball tables and beanie sacks the love sack thing isn't there probably somebody's going to write please write me because i want to know what the name of your business is there has to be a business in that area that absorbs furniture from stuff like that and then repurposes it when another one starts up and i'm not even talking cars there has to be a business business. that just takes in all that stuff that's done from the place that closed down (laughs) this morning and they'll re-rent it to so-and-so who's starting up a week from now businesses spawning businesses yes Step five, apply for your free software from Autodesk's Technology Impact Program. Okay. Autodesk offers social impact startups access to three-year software subscriptions valued at up to $600,000 U.S. over those three years. The startups must meet the following eligibility requirements. They must be less than six years old, have 10 or fewer employees, have an annual revenue of less than $1 million U.S. million, and innovate in a social or environmental impact area like renewable energy and efficiency, water and sanitation, or health. And this is one of those things where when you get that software, then on the bottom of your startup website, when you say partners, you list Autodesk. And Powered you by look, Autodesk. It makes you look even more awesome. Totally. Yeah. Step number six, you hire... The in-house design team made up of low-paid graduates who will do absolutely anything, include working absurd hours. They'll do anything from money and prestige to say, I'm working for this cool latest startup. Because when you go out for drinks every night after work, Mm -hmm. if you have time to go out for drinks, you can tell everybody what a cool hip job you have, this cool new startup between Cisco and Intel. Is it a bunch of people that are like ground-level designers? And then do you you buy one figure? Do you get one figurehead designer that you pay too much money to? Like one guy that you've known about? This is the canoe business model. Essentially. You have one big designer that everybody's heard of, and Mm -hmm. then you have a bunch of minions or maybe a mid-level designer, and there's one kind of mild hit of a car. Oh, sure. That you've they you've did. heard of him because he designed. The, oh yeah, that's right. That. I remember that mid-level thing from uh-huh. a few years past. Yeah, okay, that it. was you. Got it. All right. Well, then you got to hire your supply chain logistics company. Okay. This is crucial. You don't want to deal with that stuff. But then step eight, you contract your engineering services for all the body and safety and chassis engineering. Uh huh. Okay. And then you source the batteries, the battery management, the electronics and the cooling, the hard stuff from companies like <laughs> LG Chem or Panasonic or Silo Technologies. So anything that you can't do on the laptops with the Autodesk software, you just farm that out. Well, of course. Of got course it. you okay. do. Uh, hey, I'm just, I'm following, I'm taking well, notes. Well, you've got a huge along. budget to, you've got you cash to burn. Yes. Because of your cool board of directors, exactly. you've got a bunch of investors in. Yes. So now you have cash to burn with a ticking clock above its head. So you've got to burn that cash. Absolutely. So make partnerships. Plus, LG, Kim, and Panasonic, again, they look great at the bottom of the masthead on the website. Does it not? Yeah, it looks awesome. I Autodesk, mean, you have to throw Panasonic, in... LG, Kim. Yeah, you got to get somebody to do the website somewhere in here. But then, step nine, you source your contract manufacturing so you have that lined up. You don't need to really build your own factory. You don't need to buy land in Arizona, build your factory, and then you know, have a go. You can just source it from Magna or Valmet Automotive or Foxconn or Re Automotive. They're all ready to go. Magna does a lot of cars. Mm-hmm. They're, they're contract mm-hmm. manufacturing, ready to go. Okay, And then you just copy Tesla's online model for sales and delivery. Because then you don't have to actually have real estate anywhere. Yes. You yeah. just read the FAQ and say, well, <laughs> you can 
Where do I pick up my new car? Well, you just come to one of our lounges and pick those up. It would be called you, a lounge, wouldn't it? Or, you, you know, we can arrange for delivery for an extra fee and fine. It'll just deliver right to your house. But along the way, as we've talked about, mm-hmm. you'll be asking for lots and lots of money consistently from investors. Absolutely. It's, it's a tire fire of cash behind you. Yes. Well, you've got to have the Series A and Series B and mm-hmm. the rounds of funding. You've got to say, yep. here's where we're at with this round of funding. Wouldn't you like to be in at this point? Mm-hmm. Lots of fancy restaurants are going to certainly be involved. And the reason I say this is because the question everybody is wondering, is Tesla profitable? Mm-hmm. Look this up. In 2019, no, they were not. But as of 2022, yes, they are. According to an article on The Motley Fool written by Adam Levine Weinberg, Tesla's operating margin in 2021 was about 12.1%. The second half of 2021, they were up to 15%. They're selling huge numbers of cars built on one platform with gigantic fat margins. Over 936,000 Tesla vehicles were sold in 2021. Almost a million there, Teslas. There's a there's a guy behind the curtain on that we make money, though, at Tesla that I have to point out that doesn't get discussed a lot. The main reason Tesla is in the black is not because of all the cars they sell. And they're not the most valuable company in the world because of all the cars they sell. If we're going to have company oh, value absolutely. based on the cars they sell. But here's the trick. Besides the fact of the point that's you That's all investors can go on that when, they, when you do your That they sell down. stock. But, yeah, but the way that Tesla first got into the black... And what makes this current market we're in, where every other major legacy manufacturer is about to start selling electric cars, is because there have been major standards, CAFE standards in Europe, I forget what the standards are called here, but it's MPG standards and emissions standards. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you don't meet the standards, you pay fines. Yeah. And the way you meet the standards is you essentially get carbon credits for having your stuff be so carbon neutral, which is one of the reasons we had, jumping back about 10 years, the Aston Martin Signet which was a Toyota IQ bathed in leather, given an Aston Martin badge. Coated in leather. So we just kind of pulled it through the leather bath and pulled it out the (laughs) other side. And you could get it with your Aston Martin DB9. And the reason was because Aston Martin was creating for the spreadsheet a nice offset for their carbon Mm -hmm. from their big V12. Hmm. The other way to do it is for an automaker to buy those carbon credits. That's true. Tesla makes nothing but credits. And I may be referring to them incorrectly, but they make nothing but these credits because their cars don't emit a thing. Mm-hmm. So all they have is credits, all these credits, and they have been consistently selling them to legacy manufacturers so they can make the quotas. So Tesla has been making money by selling credits to legacy manufacturers. This is going to end as these leg- legacy manufacturers shift, but let's not sit around and think Tesla's making money because they sell so many cars. Tesla's making yes. money because they know how to work the system. I'm not sure. denying that they're in the black, but they make money Finally. because they work the system. Finally. I mean, that's oh, yeah. just, it to- was a full decade before they were making a dime. It was just a tire yeah. fire for cash. But when they finally got there, the general thinking is they got there because they sell so many great cars. They sell There's lots of lot cars. Of creative There's a lot of creative accounting, accounting and, in and there. loopholes yeah. and selling of credits and other things that put them in the black not because they're a car company. All right. I'm getting to the big question. But okay. first, let's not talk about Tesla. I want to talk to you about all the electric car startups following this 10-step program oh. that are not Tesla. This is going to be a scary list, of. isn't it? it? There's many that you haven't heard of. There's some that you have. Start out okay. with the Remots group. Sure. Now, Mate Remots, he is now the CEO of all three companies, Remots Automobili, mm-hmm. Remots Technology and Bugatti Remots. If we'd like to discuss who is a genius in the world of electric cars, it ain't Elon. He is the top of the list. Yeah. I'm not even sure who's on steps like two, three, four, and five. He's uh, way up front. Now, the Remots group is funded by Porsche's venture capital arm for about mm-hmm. 22%. Mate has 35% stake in just the Remots group, but he's the CEO of all three, now including Bugatti, which there is a, an electric Bugatti coming in addition to the Remots. Unbelievable. Car companies have story. beat a path to his door in Croatia mm-hmm. for their technology to license it either into their cars or now he's building, of yeah. course, Remots cars yeah, yeah. and Bugattis. They're way out front. He is a genuine genius. Absolutely. The second one is Lucid Motors. Wish them all the success in the world. Their cars look great. Same with Rivian. Mm -hmm. They're a start. Mm -hmm. They have a factory. They're delivering trucks. They look awesome. Yes. Can't wait to drive one. We've got it on our short list. The second tier of 
car companies you might have heard of, Fisker Automotive, and yes, you remember Faraday Future? Those guys. I do. They're that was still plugging away. That was the origin of the billionaire in a hoodie. We're I not sure know. he has anything left in his world but a hoodie. I think he's burned the rest of the cash. He's down to a hoodie, and that's it. <laughs> Just yeah. down to the hoodie. Mm-hmm. Well, then Henrik Fisker divested the Karma name now into Karma Automotive. So there's Fisker Automotive and Karma Automotive. There was the Fisker Automotive. There was the Fisker Karma, which we drove forever ago. Yeah. When, when the, when the original ago. Volt was around. Right. And Tesla was just dropping. We drove the Fisker Karma, and there was some good and some real bad in there. And then that whole company died. Mm-hmm. But the yes. IP and the design and everything from that got bought by a different company. I think they were Chinese. They're based. Chinese, yeah. And they made Karma Automotive. Karma while Henrik Automotive. Fisker... Crawled away for a minute. He all, licked his wounds. Exactly. He had his tail bad. between his legs, but yeah. then he pops back up with Fisker Automotive, who is now releasing that ocean. This is the same person doing your model twice. <laughs> yes. Twice. Yes. And he got paid for it. Anyway. Uh-huh. Yeah. Moving on. You've heard of Canoe. I've ranted about Canoe. We they have heard of Canoe. Subscribing to this model, the 10-step uh-huh. program on the skateboard platform. There's also Coda. You remember that? Really small, very small four-door car that was electric. Here's what's crazy. It's dead. When I first moved here, not not dead because it needs to be charged. Like the company's well, dead. Yeah, the company's when I dead. first moved here, there was a guy that commuted from Park City to Salt Lake. I saw him once a week in a Coda. Did you really? Consistently. In a Coda? Yes. Of course, I haven't seen it in years. Where is that car now? Uh, what happened to I it? I don't know. There was also a Fisker Karma that was driving around Park City for four or five years when I first lived here. That car's also vanished. What happened to that car? I don't know. I'm really curious. I agree with you. It'd be fascinating to know. Moving on to BYD Motors. Then there's Nikola Motors. You heard this of Nikola? This list is huge, by the way. GM. I'm list guy. I know I'm total list guy. Yeah, you are. Nikola Motors. Well, GM has now divested their stake in Nikola. Well, they were going to partner with Nikola, but then they divested their stake in Lordstown Motors. Uh-huh. Don't know what's going to happen to Lordstown. Yeah. There's also Workhorse. There's also Ch- Change C-H-A-N-J-E. Oh, no. Not with the G, so it's got to be contrived because it's an internet startup. It's known as FDG Electric Vehicles Limited. It's quite dead. (laughs) Possibly because the name needed to be changed. (laughs) Yeah. There's also MullenUSA.com in Southern California with a factory already built in Mississippi, south of Memphis. Okay. They're building a pure electric SUV crossover, Mullen Automotive Technologies. Mm Mm-hmm. The FAQ is quite interesting because when you're wondering, well, okay, how do I get my car and when am I going to get my car? It just says, come to one of our lounges to pick up your car. We can you know, have it delivered for you. Yeah, if you're still in business a year from now or yeah, two years from now. That's a question mark for sure. Moving on to Neo. Ignite the senses. You've heard of Neo. They're building cars. <laughs> Neo was better when it was part of the Matrix. Yeah, <laughs> that's, true. That's, that's when it was this at is, its best. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. There's also WM Motor which builds the super ugly M7 sedan. It's <laughs> Oh good, at least it's horrifyingly ugly. ugly. At least it's ugly. There's Xpeng Motors or Xiaoping Motors. There's also a company based in London called Arrival. They're building an electric van, bus and a car and they're reinventing the ride-hailing industry. Sure they are. Because mm-hmm. they're building their own van, bus and car for ride-hailing. Yeah, got it. Remember Byton? B-Y-T-O-N, a premium electric SUV. They wasted all their money, and they're quite dead, but the website is still up, and it looks really good. The website looks excellent. Does it list their cool board of directors? It still might, but it certainly (laughs) is attractive to investors. Yeah, okay. Now let's get to the obscure Guncell. Guncell, electric vehicles based in Turkey. Guncell.com.tr. There's also Sano Motors, founded in 2016, based in Germany. Their car is the Scion which is the opposite of beautiful. Oh, wow. Not the meaning like of the car. I mean the car itself. The car itself, just ugly. Got it's it. just it's nasty. Yeah. Okay. Elektra in Switzerland. Do you remember oh, them? No. The supercar manufacturer that made a lot of noise in 2017 and is now dead. I don't remember them at all. This is how far down this list we've gotten. I'm completely <clears throat> lost at this point. EV Electra is based in Lebanon. EVElectra.com. Okay. Izera is in Poland. I-Z-E-R-A.com. Wow. Tog or Tog is in Turkey, T-O-G-G dot com dot T-R. And then there's Unity, Unity dot Earth. Oh, U-N-I-T-I seriously? I-T-I dot Earth. Dot Earth. Which began as an open innovation project at Lund University in Lund, Sweden. 
So somebody's probably mispronouncing that, but nevertheless, literal like PhD it's thesis a thesis project. Okay. And let's build a car around that thesis project. Okay, Faction.us is a three wheeler that's rather small. No uh, <laughs> actual regulations there. We'll make a three wheeler. It'll be fine. Getting to the end here, Zaqua is 100% electric and 100% Mexican, employs only women in its engineering center, and they build hmm. currently the MX2 and MX3 with a price of 600,000 Mexican pesos, which is about 28,600 US dollars. They it's, currently exist? They currently exist. Z-A-C-U-A. Zaqua? Zaqua. It's tiny. It is little. It's like a, it's like a mini, mini. Isn't it interesting, though? It looks like a mini-mini. Yeah. That's, that's, that's actually, you know what? I'm intrigued by the idea here. Okay, it's, fair enough. It's like you took it. Honestly, I'm looking at the website right now. It is Z-A-C-U-A dot com. It looks like a direct mashup between the smart car and a mini. Okay. That is actually what, yeah, the, what yeah, it looks I can like. See that. So yeah. give it a look. It's I'm intrigued by the idea. I hope you're successful. I hope they survive. Uh-huh. One that didn't was Dyson. Oh, yeah. James Dyson spent $305 million to renovate the former Royal Air Force Base at Halavington, UK. That was then repurposed to build the Dyson Covent ventilators for the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Now, on the vehicle development itself, he spent $20 million of Dyson's company money to develop it and $610 million of his personal fortune to develop a boring-looking SUV that was canceled before going into production According to an article written by John Arledge, published on May 19, 2020, sales of the Dyson would have had to make another $183 million to break even. He still didn't have enough the, money to bring it to last, market. The last thing that I read from this guy, who clearly, I mean, he's an inventor. He's a we genius. We all know the vacuums. He's, he's amazing. all kinds of crazy things. He is a crazy old... He, you know what he, he's like? He's like the real-life version of Doc Brown. Uh, yeah, you're right. He's like yep. Doc Brown got a makeover and was legit. That's who who James Dyson is. He's made all kinds of money. He stopped because he concluded it was going to take more money than he had. That's crazy thinking. At this point, I had read Tesla has gone through about nineteen billion in investor dollars. Whether government, I'm going to need a minute. Just, I'm going to need a minute. Hang on to something. Oh. Sit down and hold on to something that it's it's screwed to the ground because. Oh. If James Dyson can't make something work, and actually, I liked what he was doing because his is so well thought through. All of his products are. They're amazing. And if he couldn't make it work, but Elon could, what on earth? And well, if Tesla's the only one- he was doing one, it himself versus investor dollars. That's part of it. Well, yeah. yeah. But if Tesla's, well, not the only oh. one, but one of a handful of actually making a go of this, and they're spending that much money- what does that say about the rest of these companies? Mm -hmm. And finally, the last one is Sony. They're, they're screwing around. The first iteration, they were like, yeah, we're just kidding. And then they brought a second iteration out. Mm -hmm. So they can't figure out what they're thinking. Well, now, they just partnered with somebody this week. I forget who it was. They oh, just this partnered week. With, with Honda, I think it was. Excellent. Sony and Honda are going to so do something. So they are serious. And, and Apple is going to do something with somebody. We don't know who. Of Apple course. keeps getting engaged and, and then walking away from companies. And because they're Apple, they can get away with it. Come yeah. here, come here, come here, come here. Go away, go away, go away. Serious? Go away. Honda and Sony just partnered up in, in oh, the last man. like, 24, 48 hours. They just announced a plan to start an EV brand. And that's literally all that we know. Well, fantastic. I wish them all the best. Mm -hmm. It's going to take a dollar or two to get that done. Well, at least both of those companies exist and have income and products they sell that make them money. So does Dyson. Well, true. But see, but he and didn't. And Elon has Spacelink and SpaceX but, see, and but Dyson. investor dollars and Twitter. Elon's not using his own money. I mean, he did initially to help to prop up Tesla, which is why he became the CEO of Tesla, <laughs> because he was one of the investors and they were losing money. It's a whole other story. But... With, in Dyson's case, he broke almost all your rules. He didn't get the cool board group. Mm, he didn't yeah, create true. an awesome website that shows off all of their pedigree. No. And he just decided to go in and spend his own money. And that's, that's ignoring rule number one, which is always other people's money. This is that's the thing true. that Elon Musk has done very, very well. Now, yes, initial investment from him, absolutely. Money none of us have. So bravo to him on that. But it's other people's money that has propped up Tesla. That figure you just listed of how much money it's approximately they've, t they've used – I, it's I, approximate, give or take a handful. It's a good here. thing I'm currently sitting down, but I may need to go lie down. I, I just, I, I'm going to need a minute. Well, now for the questions. Now that I've established the 10 step build the car company. Now we get the questions? I'm exhausted already. And now that you know about all these companies oh. that exist around the globe, and I've probably forgotten a handful, so if you know of another one, please write me. 
how will we consumers know what's good? Because Ooh. I guarantee you most of these are on some sort of skateboard platform and on their website, they spin it as a good thing. They spin it Not. as innovative as well. It's like, oh, you, you'll For never sure. believe what we thought of. We thought of a skateboard. And you know, when I was in school, in design school, Everybody was all about the skateboard platform for the future. I remember. It was the 90s. And it seemed like a great idea until I became an enthusiast driver. Mm. And now that you and I are drivers, and everybody listening, you're a driver. You want good handling, good dynamics out mm-hmm. of a car. It doesn't matter what you're driving. This seems like the worst idea ever conceived. It's a way to create sameness. If it's we're gonna like make... number five of the top world bad ideas. But if we're going to make the entire world drive... Some sort of monochromatic colored five seat egg shaped SUV, then we may as well make them all drive the same. Skateboard to the rescue. Then why will you be compelled to purchase one of these over the other? And most of these don't even, these car companies don't even have products for sale yet. No. You can reserve, you can place your $100 credit card order. You know what Faraday made really cool? T shirts. They did. You have one. You I have a, you have I a still have it. future T-shirt. It's actually it's a very cool, cool shirt. V-neck. It's probably it's nice the only product they actually created. True. Will customers buy as many electric cars from all these other car companies as they're buying from Tesla? The reason I said 936,000 cars sold by Tesla in 2021, that means to be at Tesla's level, to now be in the black mm-hmm. from an operating mm-hmm. margin perspective... You're going to have to sell almost a million vehicles from companies many of us haven't even heard of, let alone they're not good to look at. And I think beyond styling and range, what will be the deciding factor? Tesla owners don't prioritize high build quality or consistent panel fitment. This is true. It's not high on your list. You cannot make that argument to me. Because you love the charging network, which is awesome. It's great. And you love the range, which is awesome. Yeah. And they're actually pretty good to drive. And the interface is good and it's cool. And it's this thing from the future. It's this cool spaceship. And it's yeah, yeah. awesome. Why would you care about panel fitment? Eh, we'll get there. Well, but the other we'll thing, there. though, that, that, that we're jumping over on this is every one of these companies, Tesla is now the old guard in this discussion. Yeah. I they're do. the established yes. brand. They are the and, go-to. And what, yes. what's fascinating about this, though, is that as every other one of these little startups tries to make a name for themselves, they're in almost too late because every yeah, major maybe. legacy manufacturer is now going to drop their electric car. So not Tesla's only, almost a legacy manufacturer seriously, now. So not only are you not buying a Tesla, but you're not buying every other brand you've heard of yeah. to go buy, I'm just going to pick one here, uh, a WM Motor. Sure. I didn't buy it. List every manufacturer, just quickly, on your own time. Think of every manufacturer you can. Now you're not going to buy any of those. To buy one of these, I don't even know how many it was, Isera from Poland or a right. Tog or a Zekua or, I mean, I, yeah. Are you not going to buy a path to their You're door? not going to buy any of the established brands, and I am including Tesla, nobody else that you've heard of. You didn't buy a Rivian. You didn't buy a Lucid. You bought, I don't know, a canoe. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> so beyond style and range, nobody's buying a gas-powered car based on those two metrics. Nobody. That's an interesting point. Style, a little bit. It's got to look good. But nobody says, yeah, I can get about 300 miles range out of my gas car. No, you're asking miles per gallon, which ultimately culminates in range. Mm -hmm. But there's no fear there still. And even the top three, Remots, Lucid, and Rivian, they're Uh really good looking. All three of them. They're distinctive. Each one has a good style. Absolutely. They're also the most expensive of all the brands that I named. The rest are absolutely horrible looking. They're laughable. They're so bad looking. People have forgotten to step back and go, you know, we're off a bit. That's ugly. (laughs) That's start over. That's not working. Because that's all they're buying on. If they're not buying from one of the legacy manufacturers for any of their other reasons or because you're a Ford, GM, Kia, Audi, or Honda, or Toyota person, for sure, you're buying because of style and range. It's about the same as the legacy manufacturers. Mm. And so will all these car companies be around in, say, one to three years? That's why I asked about the code and the Fisca. Fisker. Yeah. The Fisca. Dyson has money, <laughs> and they determined it was a failure because of lack of money. Mm-hmm. And now, as of today, I see Carlos Tavares, the CEO of Stellantis, is concerned that new cars are becoming unaffordable. But cutting costs out of the building and production of cars will only produce worse, cheap Boring cars. Doesn't matter if they're gas or electric. 
I'm not trying to be a downer by this, by saying all this. What I am trying to say is the metrics by which you buy an electric car from any of these car companies, Mm. why would you choose that? Why Mm. would you buy that? Just to be different? Mm. Maybe, but you can get the same kind of thing out of Mullen that you can out of Isera or Lucid or I think why, why why any of those? So unless we as customers demand, stop using the skateboard platform, Mm. pile up the batteries in a location to mimic where an engine is kind of like that Cayman concept that they came out with. Some people are talking about it for sure. Yeah. To make the cars have dynamics Mm -hmm. to force them to be fun to drive. Doesn't matter if it's a five seat SUV or a two seat sports car. Doesn't matter. Mm. because the that's what we're looking at as far as the future is concerned. And every legacy manufacturer already has the skateboard platform built in, or they're mm-hmm. coming up with their own brand new platform, plopping the battery in. That's just good business because mm-hmm. look how many different models we can make off the same platform. Volkswagen has discovered this. We as customers have to demand differently. We as enthusiasts have to demand differently. You got to show these companies. I also think that we're dealing with a bubble factor here that seems to happen when there's some sort of seismic shift in technology. Okay. And the first one I can think of is you remember the first internet boom was the nineties. I knew a buddy and I'm going back and I'm dating myself, but I knew a buddy in the mid nineties and we were all getting out of college. I had a buddy who was not overly smart. He was not an overly good computer guy. He was middle of the ground in all of those things. Okay. And he wound up working for a web startup late 90s in Fort Collins. And this was the first internet bubble. I don't know if you remember this. You I remember not. hearing about this. But, but He's there, the Wyoming guy now, right? But there were, a lot of, there were a lot of stories where there were websites that were like, because we're just now getting, what's the web? What's the internet? <laughs> what's the internet? And what's so all, all of these web startups happened and they made hand over fist cash because it was the new thing. And then when the world settled out and the big brands got into the web and, every, and like the mm-hmm. internet... 1.0 got established, right. a huge number of them went to dust, including the one that my friend worked for. He made a lot of money for a few years, and then like overnight it was like, poof. Oof. The job he had was gone. My point is, that's what's happening with these, all these electric automakers. Mm-hmm. Tesla has blazed the trail and is going to survive. For sure. But the rest of these got in on the bubble, and the bubble's about to burst because all the legacy brands are coming and the electric car world is going to settle, and it's going to settle with a thud. And I think it's going to mm-hmm. wipe out most of these. I also think one of the reasons so many of them exist at all, I can't believe your list. One of the reasons so many of them exist at all is because I think people are trying to find the next Tesla. It's, yeah. it's the investor yeah. trying pumping cash into something because they think it's going to be the next Tesla. It won't be. So that's the other part <laughs> of it as well. Why not Dyson? And, and I do it think- It actually looked not too bad, and they had great development and great ideas, and- what? It was killed? I think those three, four you've got at the top of your list, the Remock, Lucid, Rivian, maybe Fisker Automotive, maybe yeah. Karma will survive, or Canoe, maybe. Yeah. That's as far down the list. Like, and you've got like 30 things on this list. Those that already have product, yeah. I think that's Remock, Lucid, and Rivian. Yes. Maybe Fisker, because they're like right coming out right now. The ones that actually have product you can go buy and drive currently might make it. But if you don't have it right now, you're too far back and the bubble's going to blow. Yes, but all of these car companies will have models built, whether it's 10 of them or 100 of them. Sure. They will exist out there. Who's going to want them? No, I agree. Because battery technology will change. They will get lighter and they will have more range. Mm-hmm. Solid state batteries are coming, which yeah. is great. That's the good good direction. And then the car dynamics will hopefully change after that. Mm-hmm. But who's going to want the rest of these cars? Who, You've got to look past what do you do with them? every manufacturer you've ever heard of to buy one of these. And I think if your money's in these companies, it's time to get it out. We're not a financial investment no, podcast. No, we're not. We're going to get many, many letters for this rant, Yes, by the but way. I just I wonder about, and, and there's people buying electric cars. Yes, I mean, sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If it intrigues you and it fits your life and you like it, that's showing the company that, yes, yeah. what you're doing yeah. is good. You're getting good sales. Absolutely. But I'm just, I'm wondering about the shakeout from here on out. It's going to, it's going to be a thud. It's not even going to be a shake. It's going to be a thud. It's almost like you remember the, uh, I forget the name of the website, but it was all the failed.coms and it would list them on a daily basis Mm -hmm. after the internet bust. Yes. It's almost like another website needs to be created of just electric car companies reinventing the future of transportation. The EV no, you're graveyard. You're just building electric cars. It's That's the all EV you're really graveyard. Doing. For sure. We should create that URL what is right that now. List? Yeah. Because it's going to be long. Mm. 
I want to remind you guys of DriveShare from our friends at Haggerty. DriveShare is a car sharing community that connects renters with the owners of cool cars. We're talking vehicles that elevate any occasion like a wedding or a special celebration or even a vacation. Or you can just enjoy a dream ride, a car you've always wanted to drive. That's why I put my Lotus Elise on DriveShare and many people have loved driving it. List your car to earn some extra money knowing you're covered by exceptional insurance and roadside service. Owners and renters can both rest easy and enjoy the ride. Visit driveshare.com or download the app to rent or list a ride today. Back to what we know well, and that is car debates. Peter's writing in from the New York uh, City, New Jersey area, and he's saying, please, please, please help me avoid another boring truck. And the truck (laughs) in his life is the thing that gets driven the most. He says his background, current garage, he says, I, we, me, his wife, and their dog currently own four cars. Okay. All right, he says his wife owns one, and he owns three. <laughs> There's the honesty. Ah, that, that's the actual list. Well done. <laughs> this despite the fact that Peter rarely has to drive anywhere and commutes between the New Jersey sub- suburbs and his New York City office by train. And he says the only reason he doesn't own more than three cars is parking. So, Well, four. What we've concluded here, Peter, is that you <laughs> have a deep, very serious situation of the car disease. You, you are fully infected because I love the fact that you are limited only by parking – you have four cars in your life. Your wife has one. You have three other cars in your life, and you don't have a need to drive any of them. Huh. There, there's not even – even huh. though the one that is going to get used, we're going to discuss which, how they all get used here. But honestly, you personally have no need to drive, and you own three cars. Are you suggesting culling the herd? Maybe, but I think what's more interesting is the fact that he just absolutely proves what we love on this podcast, and that is that cars are fascinating once they get under your skin. And, and I just – Almost every time when we, somebody writes in with multiple cars, unlike Peter, they have a regular commute. Yeah, true. They have multiple cars, and one of them is just the commute car. It gets used every day, and so there's a discussion about, do I like this? Should, I, should it be more fun? That happens a lot. Peter's saying, I don't commute. I have three cars. <laughs> well, his wife owns a 2020 Chevy Bolt, and they both love it. That's great. It is really fun. They are very cool. The only issue is that they have only 110 volt charging at home at this point in time. So it takes two and a half days to recharge it from nothing. <laughs> two and a half days. We talked about this. Watch our Chevy Bolt versus the Tesla Model 3 piece. We talked about this charging. It's a staggering amount of time on your household outlet to recharge your Chevy Bolt. Days have gone by. Days have gone days. by. Yeah. Well, his wife is the type of person to refer to cars by color. His friend just got a really nice red car. Look at that beautiful yellow car. Did you see that white car? Totally. Mm -hmm. But Peter says, don't let that fool you. Every time a car catches her eye, she asks about it. It's inevitably a Porsche or a Maserati. So she's got good taste. That reminds me, speaking of, you know, at least she's got good taste. Because I've told you this story about my mom before. Oh, (laughs) she does the same thing about my mom recognizes cars entirely by color. And one day I am not kidding you. One day she said, I saw a yellow car look just like yours. I get this text and like that. I see, you know, this is one of those times when you see the bubbles forming on your on your message and you and you just you want to hide because you're just like, what is coming now? Yeah, I see bubbles. Right. She said, I saw a yellow car look just like your Lotus. She said, just like yours. because She doesn't know it's a Lotus, but that's that's what she meant. Right. Picture comes up. Mm -hmm. It was the Saturn coupe. Go in yellow, just like yours, just like my Lotus. Totally, they are at equal. Least they were yellow. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> well, Peter owns an O2 Chevy Corvette Z06. This is high school dream car. That's bought, really cool. Yeah, it is. He bought it four years ago, and this is the car that taught him that the daily triple was possible. <laughs> awesome. Also, highly inadvised at times, as signified by a rather hefty "quote unquote" performance recognition award from his local <laughs> government a few years ago. <laughs> Can we start calling him that? I, I really like should. that. I got an award this week. Not I got a ticket this week. I got an award this week. I have been properly rewarded. What was the fine for your performance recognition award? Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, he loves it. He's also got a 1995 Miata. Okay. This is his summer topless cruiser and autocross car. It owes him nothing, costs nothing to own. His second Miata, he said his first one got him into the fun to drive cars, and he's missed that light, zippy feeling okay. so much he got the second one. Okay. Really likes it. And then this third car for Peter is the 03 Dodge Ram 1500 quad, cra- quad cab 4x4. It's a mouthful. It's an all-around beater, gasoline eater. Seriously, he says, 10 miles to the gallon on a good day. Probably downhill with a tailwind being towed by a jet ranger. Possibly, yeah. He tolerates the truck. This is the replacement candidate, although he's open to other options. So what he needs is, when he needs to bring both his wife and the dog, 
Only the Bolt and the Ram are options. Mm-hmm. They often end up taking the Ram since he doesn't want to drain the battery in the Bolt with a lock and weekend cruise because it takes two and a half days to recharge. Yeah. And then it causes issues for his wife on Monday morning. So, so wait, what's happening here is because they don't have a fast charger, mm-hmm. because his wife does commute and loves her Bolt, if the family's going to go anywhere, they take the truck to not drain the Bolt. Can your wife find charging at work, by the way? Sorry, side note. They take the truck because they don't want to take the bolt, which I applaud you for setting your wife up for success for the week. Yeah. But that means the least useful, well, that's not fair, the least enjoyable car in your fleet is the car you drive the most. I've got it, Peter. Keep all four of your cars. Oh, no. Don't buy another one. Spend two to $4,000 and get a fast charger for your house. That would solve a lot, wouldn't it? The end. Yes, Don't buy or would, sell anything. You, that is the good financial choice. Buy a fast charger for the house. Spend a few thousand dollars. Yeah. Problem solved. Charge it like your phone. Plug it in and then, at night. Unplug it in the morning. Yes. Problem solved. I do agree and with that. And then just drive it. Keep everything. That is the Sell the RAM. And yes, drive your wife's you, you bolt, could. and you, t- yes. you guys take it everywhere. This is the first time in history that the car conclusion could be, don't buy a car, buy a piece of electronics. <laughs> buy a charger for your yeah. wall. Huh. But we have to get you a car We're because you hate the, the Ram. Yeah. And he's been re- toying with replacing the Ram with another truck since they do use the bed. And here's the reason why. Mm-hmm. It's because they haul their own stuff, furniture, landscaping, exercise equipment, car parts, wheels and tires. <laughs> Enough that renting a truck every time they want to do this gets really tiring. So, Peter, are you are you and your wife those people that go, I just got a great deal on? You have that story every time. <laughs> and it's in the bed of the yes. truck. I just went and got an amazing deal. On, oh, did you really? You're <laughs> I that, saved $300. You're that, you're that couple, aren't you? That uh, the, you and, and, and to your credit, the people that do this well do it really well. That's true. But I have the sense that, Peter, you and your wife are those they people. They find the deals and then they resell the thing. Yes, money. but you got to move it. And that's what the truck's for. Well, Peter's considered the Ford Maverick as an inexpensive replacement. It's a good idea. Yeah, I thought of that too. New reliability, modern safety features, just enough inside space and bed space that would fit their needs. But trucks are not fun for him. Mm, There it is. They're utilitarian. Mm -hmm. He's also considered a larger SUV. Are any of those fun, he asks. He doesn't have much experience. And he also mentions that a small crossover or hatchback isn't enough for their hauling needs. Mm. They've had a Honda Element in the past, and that was the closest to their needs. They've also had a Subaru Forester, which was too small, and the Bolt's too small. Okay, all right. So now he's all over the place. He's looking at BMW wagons and X1s and X3 crossovers, the Volkswagen Audi stuff, the VW Alltrax, a Ford Flex. Don't tell Kate. Don't do that. And even a Ford Raptor. Why is a Raptor on here? That's going to... Thought you got cut bad gas mileage with your 03 Ram. <laughs> That's just updating what your Ram does, but now it's costing you money. Honey, not only did I get the thing, uh-huh. I sent it today 200 yards off I the did. cliff. I did. It was awesome. <laughs> so he needs help. His budget is $15,000 cash preferred or forty dollars to $50,000 financed. Okay. All right. He'd like his wife to have an alternative vehicle to use, so he needs an automatic, and he wants to drive an auto in heavy NYC traffic. Okay. Cavernous interior, fun ride. Safety features, at least from the current century. I see that. Fair okay. enough. All-wheel drive or four-wheel drive preferred. Not really required. And he says he's had some experience with rear-wheel drive American land barges and some econo boxes. He's like owned a, a bit of everything, yeah. A Beretta. 96 Beretta. Mm-hmm. Oof. A few crossovers, two other trucks, three sporty cars. What does he do? But he currently has a Miata and a Vet. This is the thing I kept coming back to in your your write-up here, Peter, is the fact that you have a Miata and a Vet. So you have... He's got it covered. You've got the perfect little tiny chuckable car. Yeah. Convertible, just the fun of it. You've got the perfect dream car for you. The 2002 Vet was your dream car. So you have the origin car for you, that car that we talk about, about this is what started you on love of cars. You own that and it happens to be very fast, very fun. So we don't have to cover any of those bases in this discussion. That's what's freed me up like crazy. And as far as you talking about a fun SUV that hauls things, I will go there. Mm. Used Cayenne. Oh, yeah. Because good, you could good. do an X5, you could do a GLE, but I am not as confident in those in used form. You and can I tow the space shuttle out of its hangar. You can. Tows 7,000 pounds or so and is actually genuinely fun to drive. And I say that as an owner. So if you want to go big, fast SUV and you think, hey, this is actually fun to drive, used Cayenne is the call. I know you could get the other ones new, but I'm talking about your budget of less than 50. Getting something used, I say Cayenne. Don't get the big turbo. Get down from the turbo. 
It's mm. going to be much more reliable. Don't get every bell and whistle. Get like half of them. Okay? So there's that. Half the bells and whistles, And I say please. that because the Panamera is more interesting, but the Panamera is going to be too small for you based on what you're telling us so yeah, far. Yeah, that's a problem. I have two great ideas that I want to land on, but I'm very curious where you went, Paul. Utes. Utes is where I landed. Oh. Because of that Ford Maverick, and we drove the Hyundai Santa Cruz and liked it so much. Peter, that's your car. That's the top of the oh, list. Oh, okay. All right. It's excellent. It does everything. Now, the interior is not cavernous, but it will fit you, your wife, the dog, mm-hmm. and uh, whatever you bought this weekend in the bed. Yeah, Forfeit the, bed. The bed's, the bed's not big. In comparison to the Maverick and the Ridgeline, it's not very big. It, it, it's, it's still a truck bed, but it is not big. But the thing is, the Santa Cruz doesn't drive like a truck. This is very true. Looks like a truck, doesn't mm-hmm. act like a truck. I agree with that. And if you get the turbo version, spend $40,000, you get a dual clutch transmission. It dry, we've done a test drive this about is it. We have a Maverick versus Santa Cruz piece coming up for YouTube and for TV. It's yes. a comparison we've already shot. We're very excited about that. That's coming up soon. We've already done test drives of both of these cars. Mm-hmm. And yes. we mentioned it in the Santa Cruz piece before. It doesn't drive anything like it looks. It doesn't drive truck-like in at all. In a good way. In, in a, a very good way. And, and it's amazing how much fun it is to drive. And then you get out and you're like, it, it's a trucklet? What's going on here? But I, I, my big caution with the Santa Cruz, which I am a big fan of, is the bed is smaller than you think. It is. It's small. So if you need a little bit bigger bed, the Honda Ridgeline is excellent. We yes. like it a lot. It's not fun to drive. But it's it, not is, fun it, to does it, it does its job fantastically well. Three more cars to throw at you, Peter. The Acura RDX always makes the cut. If you're looking for an SUV that's mm. well-priced, good to look at, good to drive, well-built, Acura RDX. They're I just wonder, cool. I wonder if it, they're very cool. I wonder if it's big enough. It might not be big enough because it's, you know, it's like between a Macan and a Cayenne. Yeah, so if you're yeah. considering a Cayenne, you can't do a Porsche for whatever reason, look at the RDX. Bigger than Macan. My weird wild card for you is a Chevy Blazer. Mainly because it's weirdly oh. okay. <laughs> you know what? There's the new tagline. There's a new tagline for the Chevy Blazer. Weirdly okay. You are weirdly okay. No, let's just reserve that for cars. When I got into the Blazer, I expected it to suck. I know you did. It's got the cor- the uh, sorry Camaro interior. Mm-hmm. I just thought I would hate it. And we, I didn't. We came in with low expectations and were pleasantly surprised. Now we did have Maybe that's why we're pleasantly the surprised. RS version, and it was uh, over forty grand. It was like forty five or forty eight. Yeah, it was. Odd. You had it to get it spec the way we got it. It was the big V six. Watch our test drive on that. The way that the the one they sent us was specced was genuinely worthwhile. It really was. It was surprisingly interesting good. to yeah. drive. It was just weirdly okay. You, you think <laughs> it's not going to be okay, and just okay. you keep walking around going, "Huh? Well, this." It kind of works. This is kind of good. I, I do like this. Good space. But my super weird wild card for you is a Volvo V90 cross country mm. because it's big and because it's a wagon and because you will love being in this mm-hmm. thing. The back end may or may not be useful for you. It's mm. got a nice large hatch, but for things that stick up tall or are really dirty, uh, you can get the Covercraft interior for it. But nevertheless, yeah. if you're, you know, handling armoires on Saturdays or you know, things like that. I, I know <laughs> What'd you do doing. this weekend, honey? Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> Got this really tall thing, like adding to your collection of grandfather clocks. I don't you know. know it. Yeah. For Nevertheless, sure. that is out there. It's a lot of money, but it is excellent to drive. It is very comfortable for road trips. You can do a little bit of fire road kind of stuff. If you're, if you need to, yeah. Antiquing down the long yes. fire road somewhere to the, Weird back cabin in Tennessee or something. We have a test drive on that cross country as well. Yeah, we do. I see it. I, I'm going to jump right off of that because you got close to one of my two big recommendations for Peter. No kidding. Because the problem with the cross country is it's not interesting enough to drive. That's my issue with it. Because you no, kind of made a road slightly trips, lifted V90. Yeah, yeah. So I went to the other direction. Instead of the standard V90, I went for the Volvo V90 T6R design. That is all the bells and whistles of all the power, which means four-cylinder, turbocharged, supercharged, and a hybrid motor. It's all of it. Let's do it. It's a cool Let's car. Let's do it all. Actually, yeah. it's not the hybrid. It's, it's the non-hybrid. But 300-plus uh, horsepower and torque. And the R design lowers it from the standard V90 a little bit and also gives it better handling. But you get the V90 shape. And I know what you're thinking. Isn't this over budget? But they don't make them anymore. And I went online and found lots of them, Peter. I looked nationwide, but I found lots of them for around 50. Mm. I found a couple that were like 45 
in that really cool They've blue. Come down that low. Yeah, because they started at like 70, 80. They were up and they're not there. making them anymore, yeah. and they're dropping off a cliff because nobody wants them because they didn't sell that many in the first place. Huh. So the That's V90 good. T6R design is your hot Volvo wagon. You would love commuting or road tripping in that, but it also is going to be decently dynamic. But I can't ignore the other one. A little bit older than the V90, but still in wagon world. I have to go there. The Cadillac CTS V wagon. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. the thing is, the one you we all enthusiasts want and we'll never buy because we don't buy wagons and we should, is the six-speed. And that's beyond your budget. But you want an automatic. True. Which puts them right back down in the dead center of your budget, my friend. You can get the CTSV wagon in Amazing. auto. Now, here's a couple of key things. There's no chance the miles per gallon will be as bad as your Ram. They definitely have better than that. And they're a little older. They're like 2012, 2013, but it's before Cadillac did the Q system. So you aren't buying the Q system. Oh, it was, was like the last that. interior before they went for the awful Q system that no one liked. That's a good thing. So you have the automatic CTSV wagon, crazy power. They're mean to look at. They're very fun to drive. Yes, they're more fun in manual, but you want an auto, which makes them in your budget. That's my wild card, the Cadillac CTSV wagon. Have a nice day. <laughs> Peter, you've got some decisions to make. Please let us know what you decide. And if you've got a debate like Peter's, TV at gmail.com. Our friends at Griot's Garage have got a new line of ceramic products to make your car care easier and more satisfying than ever. You can start with the new Ceramic Wash & Coat, an ultra-slick formula that can be used with either the bucket wash method, the foaming sprayer, the cannon, or whatever Paul has come up with now. We take Speed Shine with us on every single shoot. It's the ultimate for quick detailing, and now it has ceramic protection too. Ceramic Speed Shine maintains a slippery gloss finish in between your main washing and protection days. And they even have ceramic trim wipes for long-lasting protection on plastic trim. Try any of these products individually or use them as your new wash routine. They're 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products from Griot's are made in the USA. And don't forget to use the new code EDRIVER when you're ordering from griotsgarage.com. Our audience gets 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's Griot's, G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. I'm starting questions with the track Daily Crush. Okay. Because I read this from Ted Adam Green on Facebook, and then I thought about it, and I was surprised by my own conclusion. Okay. <laughs> he said, track Daily Crush. Okay. A poo brown Ferrari, a flat white Lamborghini that we can't wrap, yeah. or a bright yellow Camry. This is a hard one. This, this is, is a hard one. one. And I thought about it for a little bit, and I do have a conclusion. I surprised myself, but I'm crushing the Camry because I just don't want to drive the Camry on track or in, you know, on the road. Or, I just don't. Yeah, I just don't want to drive the Camry. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with them. Yeah, no, no. I just don't want to drive the Camry. I right. just They're not that interesting. Right. Okay? Right. I'm going to track the Lamborghini. Because the track car, I don't care what color it is. I genuinely don't. Are you going to sticker it up? Try no, to no, who cares? Cover as much of that white landscape who as cares? possible. I don't care what color the track car is. It's going to yeah, get covered true. in rubber. It's going to get beat on, whatever. And if it's a Lamborghini that works like some of the other Lamborghinis you've seen on track, it might not last on track that long. I don't care what color it is. It's, it's two track laps car. out of it. it it's, it's like whenever you see race cars and they haven't put a livery on them yet, what color are they? White. That's true. So the white. And also, I really want to actually daily the brown Ferrari, even though I hate brown cars, but Ferrari is the weird brand where I think they get more interesting when you don't pick red. The oddball That's colors true. you never see Ferraris yeah. in, Ferraris become interesting in oddball colors or, or normal colors. I would never put brown on pretty much any other car I can think of that's interesting, but a brown Ferrari, I was picturing, this is random, I was picturing a brown 328 or a brown 308, and I just thought, do I want it in that color? No. Is it acceptable? Yeah, I'll drive that. Burnt umber? Burnt sienna? It's just brown. It's poo brown. Cinnamon? But it's still nutmeg. a Ferrari. They would call it all of those first. Mm. Okay. Hazelnut. Uh, a poo brown Ferrari FF. I'd drive that. Espresso crema. There you go. See, the, 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 you missed your calling, naming <laughs> colors for cars. <laughs> I've got another track daily crush, but it's food related. From Ghost uh -oh. Miata on Instagram, barbecue, Tex-Mex, and Chinese takeout. Oh, I can do this one. What would you eat daily, <laughs> eat once in a blue moon special occasion, and never eat again? Okay. With apologies to Texans everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I like barbecue. Mm -hmm. I just don't really like it all that often. Mm -hmm. 
I could go three or four months and I'm fine and barbecue. Okay. It's, mm-hmm. it's fine. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's like it enough. And I could never eat it again too, because I like Tex-Mex that much better. So that would be the once in a blue moon, but I could eat Chinese takeout all the time. This is interesting. I this is one of those Chinese rare food. places where you and I are totally diametrically opposed. Because I love Thai food. I love Chinese. Mm. I love Asian. Ah, oh, it's great. I love pho. Uh huh. Especially in the winter, just ah, I, nothing beats mm. a good steaming bowl of pho. Mm, I uh, what the so fuck? Good. Anyway, I um one two three pho. I, I almost really do this. But anyway, uh, so I would eat barbecue every single day of my life very happily. I know. Bring it. (laughs) Lunch and dinner? Sure. I'll eat barbecue. That's fine. Wow. Tex-Mex is one of those things that really good Tex-Mex I really like. Can't eat it all that often. But I'll do it occasionally. Once but, a I year mean, or that's so. in your blood because Absolutely. of Houston. And, right? Absolutely. Eat once in a while. Tex-Mex for sure. Yeah. No more Chinese takeout. I'm fine. <laughs> that could go away forever, <laughs> and I will be perfectly happy. I'm all about noodles. Crash Test 01 says, which performance driving school do we recommend for someone interested in entering tracking and autocrossing? Hmm. That's an easy one. Ford Performance Racing School held at the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Charlotte, North that's Carolina. We took both the Mustang GT course and the Octane ST course when it was still in Utah at the Utah Motorsports Campus. It has since moved its asphalt activities to Charlotte Motor Speedway, but keeping the Ford Raptor off-road program here, and it will also be the off-rodeo out here at Utah at some point, too. Off-rodeo. It's coming. Uh. So we've got that still, uh, the off-road portion, because we've got great mountain off-roading out there next to the track. But yes, Ford Performance Racing School because they have a variety of cars you can do it with, so I would highly suggest those guys, and they're fantastic instructors. Austin Johnson 63 says, at what point is it worth putting aftermarket suspension on your car? Is it worth investing in fully adjustable suspension if you only track your car a few times a year, and is that livable on a commute? The adjustable suspension coilovers, I have them on my Lotus. What's supposed to be great about them, and I'll tell you why I say supposed to be, is the fact that you can crank them down hardcore for the track day, and then you can dial them way back and make them super soft and floaty for your daily work, and they can be awesome. Mm -hmm. I say supposedly because I don't really do it. I have a middle setting that I use on the Lotus. I just drive it that way, and I like it. I like it a lot. But you can do coilovers. There are Find out the right ones for your car. When to do it? When your current suspension needs to be replaced, you don't need to run out and do it. Unless you were telling me, I'm trying to get blank out of the way my car feels and drives. There's no reason to chase your suspension and do the R&D yourself and try to find what the right thing is unless you have a goal. That's true. Your car has yeah. suspension that the factory was, was did for it. I've replaced suspension on multiple cars, and unless I have a specific need, I put the factory version back on. Why? Because that's the way the car was intended to drive. So if you have a, I need to track it, or you know what, this has always been way too way too uh, hard for me, and I want to make it softer, but I do track occasionally. Now you're getting into adjustable coilovers. I see it, but you don't, there's no point in doing it until you have a plan and a need. Matthew Emmons says, when someone cuts you off, is it more infuriating if it's an ugly car, <laughs> or nice looking, or old, or new? What is the most annoying combination? Because a Mercedes GLE 350 cut him off yesterday twice Pricey and to his eyes, ugly. The whole segment is ugly. Isn't that interesting? Because I think they're, for what they are, pretty good looking. Mm. You think, if you're given the design brief, and you have to design this vehicle, and it has to meet the what everybody's buying right now, mm-hmm. I think it's really well done. Because Mercedes is designing with highlights. Mm-hmm. So it's less about line and intersecting lines and a lot of stuff that stops your eye. And it's just a lot of broad, beautiful surfaces. Very much depends on the color. But I think they're doing great. Just getting cut off, it almost doesn't really matter what the car is. I will give it a pass. Because, you know, I'll back off. It's a super nice looking car. But for the most part, it's just frustrating all the way around. I, I hear you. There's a question from Wade Donald Water Street asking Utah on how much footage for an episode is done by quadcopter or drone. Mm. He says, we get some truly fantastic shots, but he's wondering how much that tech factors into the shoot. I mean, there's a couple ways to approach it. And, and we, we work really hard to have the drone in the air a lot, mm-hmm. but we put the drone in the air when other cameras are also shooting. Some mm, productions yes, will yes. only put the drone in the air when everybody else is like stopped down and hidden. 
and we just the camera shoots one way and the drone shoots the other is the way we accomplish this. So we we put it in the air most of the time when we're doing what we call drive-by shots, the side of the road shots. You see those. We very often put the drone in the air at the same time. We do do it at the same time as other cameras are rolling because we figured out ways to do that. A lot of people don't do it, so it's it's quite a bit. But sometimes I honestly will do get in the edit room and be like, we shot almost too much drone for this piece. We should have shot some more like actual grounded stuff. Epic BG says you've got a tire debate. You're doing a four-month road trip across the states. It's going to be all summer. will be more oh, than 10,000 miles. Wow. You're going to do a lot of highway miles. You're going to find some back roads and enjoy. You're taking your Civic Type R on 18s. Your question is what tires to buy. Your first thought is, do you get a really good all-season, like the Michelin Pilot AS4, which are excellent. That's a really good, versatile yeah, tire. Good performance for performance driving, good usability in all kinds of weather. I, I do like that. Obviously, you're not going to encounter snow, so that's not a big deal. Or should you put on something that would be better when you do have back roads and you get the performance? You're going to have to look into your tolerance for replacing tires. If you want to get done with your trip and your tires are still good to go, do something like the all-seasons. Do something with a fairly high tread wear on it, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you're okay with, I had an amazing drive, and now I need tires, then go performance. I'll give you the best example. Last summer, I did this amazing road trip for five days with my son, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I still had the Yokohama 052s, which have a like 200 tread wear rating That's on right. that car. That little Lotus got four track days and a what was it, 1,500-mile drive on those tires, and those tires were done. They were very done, <laughs> yeah. okay? Yeah. But I just knew once I did that road trip with my son, I would probably need tires, and that was exactly how it went. We had an amazing time. So figure out your tolerance for tire replacement. I would definitely say, because it's your Civic Type R, and those things ride surprisingly well on their super sticky from the factory tires. I don't know how... Honda did it, but they did amazing things with the suspension. If you can do it, I say get some high-performance tires. You can enjoy that car for all it's great at and then replace the tires when you need them. If it's like, I'm buying tires and I'm doing this and then they need to last the rest of the year, do something like the AS4s. We really appreciate your listenership and you supporting the show by listening and sharing the podcast and sharing the YouTube videos and the TV episodes as well. So thank you, guys. And I hope the Topic Tuesdays get you thinking. Because we're always thinking. <laughs> or we're writing seeing, angry emails, depending. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, exactly. I totally disagree, and that's fine, too. But ultimately, they're just designed to be an ongoing conversation mm-hmm. because of what we're seeing in the marketplace and what we're seeing in the industry itself. Of course, there's no solve, but there's things that are always on our minds. What's uh-huh. going to happen? We just Kevin don't know. Fun. But uh, well, we're excited to bring you car content. So thank you guys for all your questions as well. Looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone. Cheers.